Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an explanation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined tonight by Pale Dragon. What's up, PD? Uh, hey, Will. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, Happy Holidays, all that fun stuff. Absolutely. You too. And Elaine Shercliffe, how was, uh, how was the Christmas for both of you? It was actually really fun. Um, my mom and I played games and ate a lot of food. It could have been a really bad Christmas, but we turned it around and made it a really good one. Um, Being able to, you know, I have to give props to just in case, just in case they're listening, which I know they probably aren't. Um, An IT tech at Sumer Rehab in Akron um, let my dad use his personal hotspot to Zoom us on Christmas Day. Um, the rehab hospital had like a bunch of issues with Wi-Fi. Um, and then on top of the fact that we couldn't FaceTime him, so we were all like in a tizzy and this guy hooked it up for us. So huge shout out to you. I don't know your name, but if you're listening, you are, you say he literally saved Christmas for us. Yeah. Christmas was different, but it was actually pretty good on my end too. It was pretty chill. So I can't complain. That, that, that was mine. Yeah. With the, was there with my, my parents and my sister and her husband and, and, basically just we've all sort of been quarantining separately and then just stayed in the house for four days and yeah played games watched movies cooked and baked a lot um so yeah i spent a lot of time in the kitchen there whipping stuff up and that was uh, that was a lot of fun to do so uh, it was a shame not seeing the extended family like we usually do on christmas eve um so that was kind of end of the era that was kind of unusual but uh we you know we tried we made the most of it and my dog got very spoiled with attention and treats and the like. So that was totally deserved. That. Totally <laughs> deserves every bit of it. It was, it was weird going into Christmas thinking, wow, we're not going to see our normal like family that we see, but I kind of got used to it and it was fine. So we'll get to it. We'll get back to it next year, but talking about next year, almost being upon us. So we have a lots more info, of course, regarding the return of the NHL, the regular season starting for Columbus on January 14th and overall for the league on the 13th. So, of course, the schedule has been released. Uh, so basically, I was just looking this up. 
of the 56 game season, all but four of the games will be set up as a back to back or like a kind of like a two game little series. And they'll start things with Nashville at Nashville on the 14th. But PD, uh, what were your thoughts with the schedule? Anything that kind of stuck out? I do. I, I know we'll get into a little bit more regarding some of the questions that I think we all have. But uh, in terms of the initial schedule, I kind of like the whole two game series thing. What did you think? Yeah, the schedule is actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be uh, in terms of back-to-backs. I think there was only like eight back-to-backs uh, in the whole schedule for the Blue Jackets. You know, Normally they get slammed with them in a regular season. And of those back-to-backs, only one of them uh, involves travel. That In late January, they play at home against Florida, and then the next night they're at Chicago. But it's it's not so bad. And you know, with the way the divisions were drawn up, they're trying to minimize travel distance so the Jackets aren't having to go too far at any one time. Mark Scheig tweeted over the weekend that Montreal travels more in their first road trip than Columbus does in the first two months of the season. <laughs> so, so that's pretty nice. Um, yeah, I like the two game series thing, and, and I like that you know m- more of those are, are going to have a day off in between. Uh, John Tortorella yeah. mentioned in his interview with Aaron Portsline that you know those off days might be true off days, and they'll get their practice in during morning skates on game days. That might be a better procedure to you know give the guys chance to rest up. Because I I didn't look at how many of the games were four and six or five and seven things like that. Because those uh, take a toll, even if there's no back to backs or just one back to back in there. So we'll have to monitor that. But I, I think it, I think it looks like a good schedule. The the one series that or one stretch that I'm really looking at is in April, there's a road trip that hits Dallas, Florida, and Tampa. Uh, and that's going to be a really tough six games there, yeah. you know, all on the road, the most distance they're traveling during a road trip in the season. And it's the longest one. It's 11 days. Yeah. And, you, and you've got some really quality teams in there. So, you know, that could be very important for the standings at that point in the season as we're getting down to the end. So that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. But it is after trade deadline, literally three days. So mm-hmm. maybe, I don't <laughs> maybe some magic could happen, but we're not normally trade deadliner. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't see this team being very active at the trade deadline because they haven't been super busy in the off season. And I don't know that they have the pieces necessary to be buyers to get someone big i don't know that teams are going to be as eager to part with players mid-season um right. you know and it, you know there's still not clear what's going to happen if you say want to tr- acquire a guy from a canadian team you know is that player going to have to quarantine then exactly. coming back into this are country they, that's yeah i mean it's like do they allow that or you would think they would allow it but yeah i i, I think the the roster that we have is the roster we're going to be rolling with at that point um, so we'll see. Yeah. So I think among the things that kind of stuck out to me regarding the schedule, uh, so of course it's a tip, oh, kind of like a typical NHL schedule in terms of, you know, you have your back-to-backs here and there and kind of playing the games as normal. But of course you have the wrinkle with COVID and I, I think we're all curious as to how they're going to kind of, if they have to deal with postponed games, the NBA just had a game that was postponed. So I've been, of course, wondering all along, how is that going to work out in terms of games that get postponed? I know they have their typical, we're going to get into this a little bit later, but their typical COVID protocols that have to be followed. But yeah, I mean, Elaine, what about... I have so many thoughts. (laughs) Um, Well, first of all, like you said, there's no way to make up games. It's 
very hard with the schedule that's in place. Mm, I disagree with that. You could have, but you, because you need to have time to quarantine between games from traveling, from traveling. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. my biggest issue too, is they will play. Okay. Like in that Dallas, Florida, I think that's what it was. Mm -hmm. It's they fly into Florida. They have a day between Dallas and Florida. And it just doesn't seem like enough time for a rest and B for like a possible quarantining because it has been known to not show up in that first test when you've traveled. Sometimes it's two days later and I don't feel like there is enough room for error. Um, If they do reschedule games, it feels like they will be like the every other day, every other day or like three games in a row. Someone said to me, well, they did it in baseball. Well, guess what? Baseball can do double headers. <laughs> yeah. Hockey really can't. I mean, unless you're playing in game one of the Tampa Bay versus Jackets game, I guess you can technically play a double header. <laughs> but like, it's just, um, I don't think it's conducive. And the way that they were talking about it and promoting it before they announced it, I thought it was going to be more AHL-esque, where you have two games maybe two games, sorry, do you have two games and then you have three games maybe in four days or three games in five days, then you have a bunch of days off. I just don't feel like there's a margin for error and rest and recovery is going to be huge for these teams. Like you are going to have to take those off days and it's going to have to be not just physical recovery, but also mental because some of these games are going to be intense. And I know people are like, well, we see them eight times. It's going to get boring. No, it's not. No, I can yeah, tell you not. that. <laughs> it gets more intense. And think about it. We're playing Florida. That's Coach Quinville. If he's only seeing a handful of teams, he's going to study every single mm-hmm. person inside and out. And it's going to be like he's going to be able to find ways to shut them down. Other teams, it's going to be like a bloodbath, I think. Like between Detroit and uh, and CBJ, I think it's going to be a lot of ill will. Bob and it's and Florida Pan. It's just going to, it's going to be fun. But yeah, yeah, Well, I think it's going to be a lot like what you see in the playoffs where the teams are so familiar with each other. And so it's a matter of Tampa, you know, ad- adjustment and counter adjustment from game to game. You know, there's no, you don't have to do a lot of studying between games because you know each other. So it's just going out there. And you have that familiarity. Um, yeah, you know, you had talked, you know, in a previous episode about, you know, possibly, you know, three games in a row, like you sometimes see in the AHL. I'm glad we don't have that because I think that would oh, have a diminishing, that would have a diminishing effect on the quality of the games to, to be playing that much. Uh, I think you have a good point though, about if you had more stretches of days off, that would allow both recovery, but also more wiggle room on rescheduling. I do think though that, by having so few backs-to-backs and so, so many of these days off in between, that that gives wiggle room to to you know push a game just a day back. If maybe that gives time to figure out you know contact tracing and things like that. I think also the fact that the schedule is so limited in terms of the number of teams. Yeah. So it's like we have four trips to each of these cities. So if a game in January has to be postponed then there's like three other weeks potentially that we can schedule that makeup game the next time we're in that city. Um, you know, you see that happens a lot in 
baseball and rescheduling games against division opponents because you play those teams so often. Right. It's easy to attack this. And sometimes it's a doubleheader, but even more often in baseball, it's just as, oh, there was an off game, that, off day that Thursday before that series. You're going to play on Thursday then. Um, you know, that's the thing that the baseball season had to do doubleheaders because they had so few off days scheduled for the teams. Whereas I think there's there are enough off days that they can switch game, put games in there. But as you've said, then you get, you know, more back-to-backs as a result of rescheduling. You might end up having three in a row as a result of that just to fit the games in. Or you're, you're just taking away those off days late in the season that the players are really going to want as just the intensity of the schedule is really going to be adding up at that point. But I think I think they have built in here enough wiggle room to reschedule because things are now as that April road trip, they don't play those teams again. So you're right. That could be an issue, but hopefully again, by April, we're looking at a a situation in the country where we're in a much better position and it's much less of a risky situation than it is now. I just, yeah, I just feel like they um, were a little too positive with the schedule. I wish, I don't know if someone, um, I'm not negative, but I'm all about Murphy's Law. Anything that can happen (laughs) will happen. I mean, I live in Cleveland. I'm a Browns fan. Like, literally anything can happen. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Um, Terrible. Not not ready to talk about it. You and Seeds can commiserate, PD. (laughs) Shout out, Seeds. So I think what's wild to me is, I mean, I knew this would be the case, or this would be kind of how it would happen, but... You go back to last March when COVID really became what it became over here, and one player testing positive was like a huge, you know, the world's standing still, essentially. And now it's like a year later, and like I said, I figured this is how it was going to go, but isn't it kind of weird to think or crazy? It's like, okay, now we're just waiting for when a player becomes positive, whether football or baseball or whatever. And it's like, okay, how do we proceed forward? And I knew, you know, like it's an inevitability. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a matter of when, not if these players are going to test positive. Right. And I think about the players and I'm like, because you know, uh, unfortunately, I'm sure someone is going to test positive. It's just kind of the way it's been going. Like you look at the NFL or with baseball, but with that said, it's, we're at least, I think further ahead now, of course, than where we were just about a year ago, but it's still, it's just, it's just, now we're just trying to proceed forward, and the league, of course, is doing the best that they can, and that takes us to the COVID protocols that the league has announced. And I'm just going to list off a few of the main ones, and then we'll dive deeper. But among them, uh, shared practice ranks at the home arena, no, no, no practices at third-party sites, uh, players cannot carpool to games, there will be no road trip roommates, teams must secure an additional two hotel rooms on road trips in the event of a positive COVID-19 test. Uh, Players are only permitted to go to the rink in a hotel on road trips, no bars, restaurants, anything like that. Of course, coaches will wear a mask on the bench. And there's a lot more that we can kind of dive into. Uh, Elaine, you can go ahead. I know you have a lot of thoughts, a lot lot to uh, add to the COVID protocol aspect of things. I do. Um, I'm not going to go super in-depth. I won't monopolize this podcast like that, and I'll write an article about it instead after I write my <laughs> other articles so that PD doesn't fire me for not doing my job. <laughs> <laughs> I did, like, the whole positive test protocol. They have, like, a whole protocol for it. And uh, the way they're doing things, it I think it's actually 
pretty sound. Like they have a whole flow chart for ending isolation if you're asymptomatic um, and you test positive. So you have like one test and then 24 hours later, a second one and then a third one. And at any if you test negative any time during that, then you can go go back. But if you test positive, you have to go into isolation, which is which is I think I think it's good to keep that monitoring going because it shows that they know that sometimes it doesn't show up for two days and also false positives as well. Like that could happen. Yeah. Also, the cardiac testing that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Great. It's great. Any player who's tested positive for COVID, whether they're asymptomatic or not, they must refrain from exercise for the 14 days from the first positive test, and they cannot return to play until they are considered fit to play by the cardiologist. Yeah. That was something I think we talked about back in like March or April when all this was happening. To me, that is great. It means you actually care about your players. It means you did your research. It means that you um, know that anything's possible and that they finally realize that their players are people, but also you need to protect your investment. And I think that protects the investment as well. Well, in, if you look at the the Browns, Miles Garrett tested positive. He was symptomatic and you know he has been Clear to return to play. He has been playing the last few weeks, uh, but you can tell that his breathing is still labored. Um, you know, and he has been, you know, he's been tested. He's been cleared. He's he's checked out fine in terms of long term stuff. But you know, I think it's just a matter of that conditioning because he was out for two weeks and not able to work out during that time. And he's a player who is in super amazing condition right, dude is best. so fit and but you know a player at that level though still needs to be putting that work in to be able to compete at that at the level and have the conditioning and right. that takes time to get back and so yeah the, that's an important procedure and it's going to be important to follow when the players miss the time that they're not going to be able to have you know their usual impact right away necessarily because they will need to get back into game shape. So whether they whether they have to take some days off as healthy scratches, whether they have to play fewer shifts than they normally do, uh, and that's going to be something for the training staff to monitor. It's going to be something that the coaches have to keep a very close eye on. You know, if a guy at all looks a little bit off, then don't push it. You know, you got you got to ease them in slowly. That's like Juan Moncada of the White Sox. Uh, he said his body hasn't felt the same since at least going back to September. Uh, the virus really affected him, and same same general aspect of the conditioning and trying to come back from the virus. So yeah, definitely good good uh, points to consider. Yes, and so we're seeing that for, from athletes at, at all levels and across all sports. It's, you know, and and some guys some guys that test positive they don't have symptoms they come back and they're fine. You know, it's just Very unpredictable. It's really weird. It just reacts differently to different people. Right. And another thing that the Jackets I hope take from the Browns <laughs> is that they stay away from each other <sighs> even if they are having a meeting. I know people want to make jokes about it, but I would do it. I would be like, oh, yeah, let me like, yeah, we're having a meeting. We're all in the same bubble anyways. Like, let's get in the hot tub together. I, I think it's one of those slip of. Yeah, although, although of is that, that you don't think that's got to be tougher for a hockey team that. to do, I would think, because at least with with football, some of the positions are so 
separate anyway that they don't need to be together so often. And again, with baseball, you can keep your, your right. batters and your hitters and all that separate. But for hockey teams, so much is so integrated, especially when you talk about, you know, like power play and penalty kill, where you've got the forwards and the defensemen that have to be working together a lot in that stuff. I don't, and it's also, it's, you know, not as large of a roster as football. So hopefully that helps. And I do, th- you made a great point though, talking about how, uh, the hotel arena, that's it. Uh, that is super, super important. That's it. Um, I hope that a lot of these players will follow similar procedures when they're at home. Just you're at home with your family. You're at the arena. Don't, don't go out when you're, you know, they're here in Columbus. Because uh, that's how you can get into problems. Um, you know, we saw that in in baseball where Cleveland that's right suspended a couple of pitchers because they were on a road trip and those guys went out and they weren't supposed to leave the hotel. Right. And so, you know, <laughs> yep. yeah, Clev- Clevenger right. and Plezak were those yep. guys. And and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, hopefully, yeah. you know, Blue Jackets will will do the same thing if any of their players do it. Hopefully, their players don't do it. Um, I'm encouraged by the fact that in July, during uh, I think it was Phase Three, the training camp there before the bubble that the last two weeks of that, there were no positive cases around the league. And I think those guys realized, hey, we're close to this. Let's just focus on this, follow the rules. Let's get into this cleanly. And obviously, things weren't quite as bad uh, at that point uh, in the summer. But hopefully that can be a lesson to the players. Like, hey, if you do it, do what you did then, you know, we'll have a better chance of getting through this without, without an interruption. But real fast, I just remembered the Jackets did have some players test positive, right? But we don't know who they were, and I, I can only assume that they're fine and also will have the effects, hopefully, and they'll be healthy and ready to roll. Not just from a hockey standpoint, you know, hope, but... Yeah, hopefully, you know, there's, there's indication, yeah, there could be some at least short-term immunity, but, yeah, don't know. <laughs> Hope, yeah. Hopefully, but... I'm glad that we don't have a lot of players that live together anymore. <laughs> you know, there was a time when they all lived together, like Bull and Mathai. Yeah, there's one point where it was like Jenner and Murray and a couple other together. guys. They had a, a place, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm glad it, it, they don't they don't all live together right now. And I think that will make it a lot easier with social distancing. I think in hockey, it's easy you're going to see less positives in the other sports because like you said, the team is smaller, which allows for that social distancing in the locker room, having your meetings on the ice, the bigger surface or like that. I like also, and this works really well for Columbus is the other team having to have you providing the other team with a practice rink. There's so many in Columbus. And so they could pick one. I mean, they could pick any of them. Like Chicago doesn't have enough that are nearby the rink to make that work. So, I mean, we're lucky in that aspect, I think. Yeah. Columbus can use the, or they could use the main ice. The uh, road team could use the ice house or I don't know, however they're going to sort that out. But yeah, luckily Columbus has that. They have Dublin and North and there's, there's so many. We, Columbus is very lucky. I would think they would probably just stick to using the the main ice all the time, so it's just limited to that ice and those locker rooms, and could even leave the yeah, ice house yeah. out of it. Keep it all in one place. Yeah, that makes more sense. So another thing I found I found a lot of things interesting, but these two final things I have to say that I found interesting is one I realized this could get slightly chaotic for a captain. You know, there's a lot of different protocols in different cities in different states. Um, different counties. 
And, you know, captains and leadership have more roles than just what happens on the ice. And they have to know before they're getting on the plane, before they're traveling, what not only the NHL, but what federal and state local health authority laws you have to follow while you're there. Luckily, I mean, like in Canada, I, I feel bad for them because it's so, so much different than here. Like the amount that they have to remember. I'm glad that Canada is being safe. I'm just, I feel bad for the amount <laughs> that they're going to have to remember. Well, that seems like like the rule of keeping them in the hotel then helps with that because they don't right. have to worry about what they have to do if they go out because they're not going to go out. They're only going to travel from the hotel to the arena with the team. And in the hotel, they'll probably just be told, stay in your room. If you have to leave your room, keep your mask on and, and that's that. Right. But even then, I just am like, wow, that's that added thing that those poor yeah. captains are going to have to deal with. Like I said, Canada and the United States, so different. So one is significantly, like you have to have the CAN app on. The CAN app, I think that's what it's called. I wish the NHL would have said that America, the American teams have to follow as the same rules as the Canadian teams, just to keep it even. Just When I say even, I just mean like, less wiggle room on like people saying, oh, well, I forgot because this, this, and this. If they had just made it more uniform in that sense, you know, they now granted they did start that whole travel protocol. It was so cool. I loved it. I'm going to read it word for word because I thought it was great. Well, basically they said that this is subject to change because it's fluid right now between what science says. That's literally like the wording in there was like what science says that they, this is up to change. So it could get stricter. It could get looser. Yeah. I like that they're being honest about that. So the players don't have any um, surprises, I guess you can say. They're not like, oh, well, why did this change? They know that it could change. And hopefully they only change things based on what the actual best medical advice is at the time, rather than, okay, players are complaining about this, so we're going to buckle to the pressure. You know, you, to, you would hope, right? Change it, it just because because it's convenient or because we're tired of it or anything like that, right? I feel like it depends on what player and what team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously not in Canada because Canada's not going to care. <laughs> Canada's going to be like, fine, you can't play, you can't hit. That's what I'm curious about. I haven't heard anything yet. The teams in Ontario are they allowed to hit? They have not said yet, or at least I haven't seen. I, I think I just, I saw, I thought I saw something over the weekend that the the provinces have signed off on what the leagues are doing, I think, which right. I, uh, they signed they're, off they're, on it, but they didn't say if they could. I hit. mean, they're, they're, you, know, you can't, you can't be, have them playing under completely different rules. That's just well, not, right. gonna, that's just not going to happen. That's what you would think. Yeah, but. it's not going to happen. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a 
business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Well, talking about Canada, it just makes me wonder, come playoff time, I guess teams will be able to cross the border, right? Well, yeah, and they won't have to deal with that until the uh, till the final four. So I think they're hoping that by that point, there will maybe be a... That's what uh, I figured too, yeah. The, the border might be open by that point. Hopefully we're talking uh, late June at that point or mid-June. Um, and I think if not, then they're probably just going to have to tell the Canada team to, uh, they'll have to make a new home city, maybe in, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. Buffalo or to... Detroit or, you know, somewhere right. the or, they, like that. Well, or they bubble the, I, I think playoffs. they should bubble the playoffs if it gets to that point. Not right now. I have to, but if it bubble, gets yeah. to that bubble, point, just the final four teams. Yeah. That yeah. I think right, they would, right. lo- that would probably be an option they will keep open as a possibility. They should do it at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. That's (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I think the Raptors of the NBA were having to well, at least initially it sounded like they were gonna have to play in Florida. But anyway, yeah, like you said, that's so far down the road. We'll hopefully we'll be fine by then. But uh at either rate, I'm excited for hockey. I'm pumped. Can't wait. So I know we're all excited. But uh so next topic, the blue jackets signed defenseman michael delzato to a pto uh and i think i was looking at our i remember the slack what you guys were kind of mentioning about this and you guys could definitely delve in but i think we're looking at it as kind of that potential taxi squad depth uh he's a guy that can obviously fill in on on the defensive side he knows towards from his time with the rangers some years ago now pd what were your thoughts with uh, with Delzato? And I think also he's a guy that you know you could throw up in the press box. You're not going to worry about his development as much as yeah some of the younger guys. My my, my first reaction, I think, is probably just a a camp body in a normal Definitely, season. Yeah. I think there would be no way that he would actually get signed to the team. Uh, reminds me of a few years back when Jarrett Stoll signed to PTO, and we're all like, "Oh, is this? You know, is he going to be in the mix for center or something?" And then he didn't even play in a preseason game. <laughs> you know, that was. But you know, obviously, yeah, with the existence of the taxi squad, um, you know, it's possible the team's going to be looking to carry more people around. And yeah, he is. You know, it's similar to what we've said about Scott Harrington that that's a guy you can keep around and you can scratch them, and it's not going to hurt them as a player because uh, Delzato, his ceiling's not very high at this point. Anyway, he's been around the league for over a decade. He's 30 years old. He is what he is. It's not great. He's a body. Um, so if he's there, uh, you know, eating popcorn and talking with Harrington about what it's like to right. be mediocre, <laughs> uh, that's fine. Um, you know, and frees up playing time for, for guys that deserve it and guys that are still developing and maybe aren't good enough for the team can just stay down in Cleveland. And it sounds like maybe with the taxi squad, there will be less back and forth between Cleveland and Columbus because they will first look to guys on the taxi squad. 
rather than uh, you to try to limit the cross exposure between the jackets and the monsters. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. It's it's what it is. I sometimes wonder what the jackets are doing, and then it starts to make sense like halfway through the season. <laughs> so I'm not questioning it. Yarmo, for the most part, knows what he's doing. He did respond well to torts and they like each other, um, which means he could be sitting in the taxi squad talking to the younger players about like translating what torts is trying to get across. So that, uh, that is good. Also that locker room, if he's playing that day or if he's allowed to be in the locker room that day, that locker room's going to be lit. I hear he's like a great <laughs> DJ. So between like all the other DJs we have, I, what if they only signed him and are planning on signing him later? Morale. Just so they have great hype music. Yeah, morale. Uh, now, now, what is Cam Atkinson going to feel about that? Because that's his job. So I don't <laughs> think he's going to think so kindly about turning over those controls. <laughs> They're just going to mix mad beats together. <laughs> I know what I know what Atkinson's job is. No, I'm kidding. Well, I'm not kidding. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to. I think it. It's going to be interesting. Would you, I I haven't looked at the numbers or anything like that, but PD, would you take Harrington on the ice or Delzato on the ice if, if it had to be one or the other? Uh, that's a Sophie's choice. Uh, I would, I would probably lean towards Harrington because he is more familiar with the teammates in the system. You know, obviously Delzato broke in the league with towards his coach, but it's been a while. Um, he's older. He's, yeah, I think I'd probably still go with Harrington there. So that's why I feel like signing Delzato doesn't necessarily add much uh, to the team besides, again, just a body. Yeah, let's just get wild and put them both out there. Oh, God. I'm kidding. Don't, don't, I don't, don't want wish, that. Don't no. speak that into existence. I'm sorry. It's going to happen now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Well, with the injury. Yeah, so I think if they're both in the lineup in the same game, that means there has been a lot of injuries on the defense and that we've got a lot bigger problems. So. And we already know the depth is a little bit more thin, at least compared to last year when you lose Murray and Nudavara and so on and so forth. Which so. I think that th- this sign kind of reflects that, 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 yeah, we don't have the veteran depth. There just aren't a lot of guys beyond the top current top seven that have significant NHL experience. So they want someone else that, at least he's played, yeah, six hundred and fifty-seven games. So that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I really hope that the AHL does come back. I think we're going to find out one hundred percent for sure on New Year's Eve because they're having a board of governors meeting on the thirtieth, which is Wednesday. So I think we'll find out Thursday, usually at three p.m. I don't know why, but I'll take it. Um, I. I'm concerned, though, if they decide, if something turns in the next week, they decide not to this week, not to start the season at all. I am concerned what that means for the development of the defense um, that might not make a taxi squad if they did decide to keep on Del Zoto. So I don't know. Yeah, a, a guy like Jake Christensen, for example. Yeah. He would need time in the HL this year for sure. Hoping. I'm sure. I mean, I've heard rumblings. It's just no one knows. No one knows. So yeah, and I, I think in that case, yeah, if they if they didn't have the AHL, then I think they would want developmental guys in the taxi squad just so they could be getting better reps than just 
not playing. Right. So I, I don't know what the option would be if there were no AHL, um, if they could just work out in Cleveland anyway together. I don't, I don't know, but uh, yeah. So if the, yeah, if there's no HL, I think you'd want those guys in the taxi squad. So they have a chance to see game action eventually if need be. Right. And I think something that hurt the monsters is they didn't assign anyone to the ECHL when they had the chance. And they clearly think that the season's coming back and that the monsters will play, which I am so sure, like 98.3% sure is going to happen. Um, but I just, I think some of those guys could have, the forwards, not so much the defense, the forwards could have benefited with some time in the ECHL. So but it's they're all full up right now, so be interesting. So we wanted to make mention real fast that former Blue Jacket Mark Latestu recently retired. Uh, Elaine, I know you had some you had some extra thoughts that you wanted to share about Latestu yeah, as well, right? Well, just because I got a chance to um, cover him the last year, he was in the Columbus system when he was with the Monsters. He was just such a great guy and honestly I thought he was going to retire after that monster's run but then Edmonton his hometown offered him a contract and you don't I mean do you turn down a chance to play in your hometown no (laughs) so I I mean I think my favorite memory of him from a beat reporter standpoint is it was in Syracuse it was after the first game I was sitting like trying to work on my article after the game and Mark, as all the like the lights are turning off, he's just staring at the ice. He's just soaking it in. And it was in that moment I was like, he's almost done or he's done. And it was just like complete silence. And when he got up, he like turned and um, Kelsey, who now no longer works for the Masters, but used to run their social, he just turned to us and he was like, thanks for all your support that you've given us this year. And thank you for, you know, all the hard work that you've done. And it was just like just totally encapsulated who he was. And honestly, he's made me a better hockey writer um, and how to see the game. Because when we ask him questions in post game or see him before the game or even after the game, like if we didn't get to interview him and I could just say, Hey, where do you think the breakdown was in this play? And he would just go, Oh, I don't think I know. (laughs) He would just tell you. And then I go back and watch it and I'd be like, wow, no, he, he gets the game. He might not always have that skill to make it happen, but he understands what the game was and what it's about. And it's kind of, when you think about a guy like that retiring, it, it kind of bums you out a little because you want him to be in those locker rooms molding young guys, you know, teaching them the ins and outs of the games. So I wish him a lot of luck in retirement. Um, his family did great things for Columbus when he was with Columbus, up in Columbus with the Ronald McDonald House and um, the local hockey scene. So I hope that they stay in Columbus. I don't know if they'll go back to Edmonton or not. But no, it's, it sounds like I mean I, they had they had built a home up in Delaware County right. there, and so the I think that the intent was to settle in Columbus long term. Um, so yeah, he he signed with, with Winnipeg there for the. One last shot, and then unfortunately, seven games in, he, you know, has that heart condition. But it sounds like he the heart is in good shape now in terms of his life, health. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully, he remains a part of the Columbus hockey scene, whether it's as a coach, 
whether maybe gets into some broadcasting or I hope that they can find some role for him with the jackets or with the triple A blue jackets or I hope he's, he's around, you know? Yes. Uh, so, and yeah, he, he's always seemed like a guy that was very comfortable talking to the media and yeah, I could definitely see where he'd be a guy that would be a great coach. Uh, it sounds like uh, in the Portland article I mentioned that he's, going to be coaching one of his kids teams oh. and, and that is even his wife has been involved with coaching some of the teams. So, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, yeah, it's, and I, yeah, I'd forgotten that he had spent that year with the monsters as well. And uh, that was cool that you had that experience with him. And, uh, yeah, so it was a little sad to, to see that he's retiring, but it was good to just be reminded of that he was here and that, uh, he gave us some good memories and he was a, it was a good member of the team. You know, he came in at a time where the jackets were at a low point, and he was around as things started to turn around. And it's special to remember those guys that were part of those teams. Yeah, especially one who knew his knew the role and wasn't trying to be like the superstar on the team. Like he knew what his job was. He had a superstar moment when he returned to Columbus on February 26th against the Caps. That game had that goal, the place. I mean, I just watching the game on TV or I, I wasn't there, but I know the place was electric. <laughs> Uh, I made a gif from that game that I think was Latestu's goal that I always used uh, for my own personal, uh, for my website and everything. And I'm going to have to find that gif. And I think it was Latestu on that goal. But uh, anyway, that was cool that he came back and scored that night. It was a huge win against the Caps in Columbus. So are you guys ready for New Year's? Because we're going to talk New Year's resolutions for the Jackets. I have mine, but I'm going to let Pale Dragon, you go first. I have mine that I'm very hopeful for and I, it's going to happen i think but you go ahead uh so i i think the the jackets should resolve to score more goals <laughs> good tactic <laughs> that's uh yeah I, I know i'm really stepping out of the limb there um <laughs> it's but it's but it's very effective if it can be done right yeah yeah so um because it, it t- turns out you can't uh win in game zero to zero so uh <laughs> And ideally, multiple goals. Uh, it makes it a little easier on the goalies. So, like and I, three, I actually, four. I am, I am hopeful that the team will be better offensively than they were last year. Yeah. Um, especially if some key guys are healthier, like Cam Atkinson, for example. If you get more games out of Bjorkstrand because he was scoring at a great oh. pace, I think adding Max Domi helps a lot. That's he's a he's a consistently a fifty point guy. So I think that that will continue. Your guy here. Max. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Friend of the pod. And, uh, you know, and the young guys, you know, let's see what uh, Texier, Foodie, Bemstrom, guys like that, uh, what they can maybe contribute offensively. You know, with Nyquist out, that opens up a spot in the top six. Uh, sounds like Felino might be on the second line left wing to start, but, uh, you know, nothing is etched in stone. Things can change, as we've seen. Uh, so I, th- I think we will get a little more offense. I think the team, because they trust the goalies, they will be a little bit more aggressive offensively, but yeah, resolve to score more goals and, uh, and related to that also resolve to um, not get hurt so often. I feel like just saying the word is like a jinx to this team. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) I know Eric wanted us to say one. So these are Eric's words. Anyone that is listening, these are Eric's words. These are not my own. He said that um, he would like to see them just get as far away from Larson as possible. Just fire him into the river. <laughs> Socially distanced from Brad Larson. <laughs> right. 
So um, those are his thoughts, not mine. Mine is that they don't get complacent. Uh, Sometimes they do, I think. I know with the fans, I know the players don't always feel this way, but I know with the fans, they think Chicago is going to be easy. Detroit's going to be easy, but it's not. I mean, yeah, eight games against Chicago. Chicago was bad, but I think that I hope that the team remembers that they've always had a hard time against Chicago, even when Chicago wasn't good. I'm talking like in the beginning of the jackets, (laughs) like even when Chicago wasn't good, they still struggled. We need, they need to remember that and that they're playing these teams eight times and they need to take it very seriously, um, not in a stressful way, but you're playing them eight times. You're playing a handful of teams. Just watch the films. You, you can easily watch the films over and over, break down these players because some of them have weaknesses that can be found. Um, I think Detroit's going to be tough this year. Um, they have something to prove. And Stevie Eiserman wants them to prove it. So um, I just don't want them to get complacent. So that's well, that. And I, I think that's where the shorter season will help as well, because it's, you know, sometimes this team, they get half, you know, midway through the season and it's like, okay, it's been a long time already. We still have a long time to go. You can get into kind of a rut where here it's like 56 games. It's a sprint. It's not a marathon. This is exactly. It's a sprint. It's a sprint. So, get it done fast. No five overtime games, boys. Not yeah, that they yeah, can have the leg. And, uh, you know, you can't afford to write off certain games because every game is going to matter with small group of teams are going up against in terms of the standings and only 56 games to prove yourself. So hopefully that keeps them focused. Yeah, it's like baseball with the short season. Every game counts right from the jump. But uh, my uh, New Year's resolution. So I was thinking, you know, maybe the team will be healthy for a change. But uh, that's easy. But and I, I, I'm pretty confident. Is it? Easy? Well, it's easy to say that. It's easy to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's that's like the obvious but uh and I'm, I'm very confident about this but i'm still waiting for this to be official of course pld's contract whatever length or term that might be i i think he's gonna be playing on january 14th i can't really imagine another anything else but until it's done we'll see but i've never really worried about it and i think he'll be suiting up alongside everybody else sooner than later. I mean, from opening night, hopefully. So just waiting on that word. I'm worried about it. I, I, I think, I think it'll get done before the start of camp. So by the time we record next, I'm just worried about the future with him. I'm, I'm not so much worried about this season, but like I'm worried about the future with PLD, but we can save that for another time. Well, I, I, you know, I think that because this hasn't been ugly publicly, mm-hmm. like the Joe right. Hansen or the Anderson yep. things yep. were, but both and both sides have been saying the same thing in terms of we're, we're talking, something's going to get done. So I think it'll get done. I don't think it needs to be a bad thing. Exactly. So, and I think, I think they're probably just waiting for Matt Barzell to sign. Right. And, use that and as far part. as the schedule, I was just thinking real fast too, or I should say with the uh, division that Columbus is in and the central division this season, they get to embrace that unique opportunity of facing both of last year's finals uh, teams. So, <laughs> right. you know, can't get complacent when you got eight against Dallas and eight against uh, Tampa. So, oh man, those Tampa games are going to be wild though. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's possible that, if the cup final this year ends up being, you know, 
Uh, it could be two teams that Next end up year. in the same division. That's Next so year. weird. Say if it's two Metro teams like yeah. Carolina and I'm, Washington, they're I'm in the for finals. It, man. Like, it could happen. <laughs> I'm excited to play Florida. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny. It's like Zito is trying to challenge Stan Bowman for the Getting the Band Back Together award. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he just said Kevin Connaughton on a PTO Kevin today. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, well, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I think seeing Florida eight times. I mean, all the like you said, half the jackets are down there. Bob is gonna get a handful of those games. You would have to imagine, barring anything weird. But um, yeah, it's gonna be fun. You know, I don't. I mean, except for last season and for the couple games that they had, we don't really typically look at Florida Columbus. But eight games this season will be it's gonna be, it's, it's gonna be a bigger deal now. I'm for so sure. excited. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm looking forward. We're all looking forward to not only the hockey season starting, but just getting out of 2020. We only have a few more days to go. We finally made it. It's been the longest freaking year that I can imagine or that I can remember. Uh, it's just crazy. But uh, be sure to check out jacketscannon.com at CBJ Cannon on Twitter. We'll be back next week as always in the new year, 2021. And we'll see you all next week. Subscribe to the Canon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating, and as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to jacketscanon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us, and follow us on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howling Moons. Check out angelapearlie.com for more music and show dates.